Hey y'all, it's Nathan Resnick from Sourceify, and today we've got another epic guest on e-commerce on tap. This is a show about the entrepreneurs, creators, and agencies that make up the e-commerce world and the stories behind how they grew. Crack your brew because here comes another amazing episode. Hey, what's up? It's Nathan Resnick. Today we've got another amazing episode of e-commerce on tap. Joining me is Tim Naibo, the founder and CEO of Vincero, Vincero Collective. Tim, how's it going today? Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, man. Yeah, doing well. Um, always happy to hop on and uh, chat some biz. 100%. Well, you know, before we dive into e-commerce and how you guys have grown so fast, I really want to learn more about your background. You know, I always want to understand how founders have grown eight-figure e-commerce stores. And so how did you even get started in the e-commerce world? You know, uh, right when we graduated university back some, shoot, eight years ago, um, we made the choice to move to China, um, you know, in the long, you just decided to move to China randomly, like just decided, Hey, let's go over there. Yeah, it was really bold. Not really thought through, um, in any type of sense, you know, we couldn't even use chopsticks at the time, let alone even like <laughs> put more than just like an ounce of thought into, Hey, we want to manufacture products. That would be awesome. Um, obviously back then, you know, there wasn't a ton going on in terms of the business world. Um, we were just coming out of the, uh, the depression or not the depression, but that's what it felt like when we were in college. So, uh, yeah. We right. just, what year was that? Exactly? Uh, graduated in 10. So nice. So 2010 moved over to China. Then what happened? You know, uh, we just tested, tested ourselves. I mean, threw things at the wall for like four years. Um, before we landed on Vincero, but, uh, you know, it was making a lot of product connecting with a lot of people. That was really important for us. Um, learning how to be broke, um, pushing yourself to your wits end, so to speak before, uh, you know, you really start making strides just in terms of understanding business, um, why some concepts work, why some products work, why some products don't. Um, and just, you know, all like the things that go into making, a sustainable venture work. There's just so much that goes into it. Um, and, you know, I think that's what a lot of people that are teaching this stuff, these, th you know, this day and age don't put through to their audiences enough that it's not like, Oh, here's this one part. If you understand this, then you, you've got it all figured out. Um, and that's what all those years right. out in China allowed us to do is learn, you know, month by month, all of these different things. Um, which was hard and not easy. Um, and it took a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, it took a lot of struggling, that's for sure. Um, but that's the way you got to do it. You know, you got to put yourself through the ringer. Right, exactly. And, and so tell me about some of those first, you know, c companies or tests that you ran in China. I mean, so you guys moved over there. I know it was you and a few friends. What were some of those first businesses that you worked on? Yeah. So going over there, um, the first, we were gonna so i don't know how up to date your audience is on things like going back then but shopify build a business had just started um, they had just mm -hmm. handed out their first um like winner so to speak right and it was dodo cases if i'm remembering correctly as that that's their name and so right. you know the ipad was just becoming a huge thing um and of course we knew that meant the two was going to come out and then all the competitors, the Black, Blackberry, Motorola, everyone was really releasing a tablet. And so our genius idea when we were moving over there was we're going to come up with another tablet case brand. Um, since we're going to have boots on the ground in China, we're going to be able to, you know, beat everyone else to market. 
Um, and that was really our thought process. That was, that's why we went over there. Um, and that was just a straight crash and burn. Um, (laughs) what, what happened that like, what went wrong in that first business? I mean, I'm trying to think in terms of, it sounds like a good strategy. You know, you guys got the boots on the ground, you know, as soon as they release a version, you're probably going to, you know, go, go gun ho ho with the factories and try to produce at least samples or as fast as possible. (laughs) We, uh, <laughs> so what went I wrong? remember being in those factories the first time. So it's so funny. It was like, we made up like fake business cards, you know, like try to be all legit, like <laughs> kids fresh off of university campus. It was like, you know, you just kind of throw yourselves in there. I'll never forget those first factory visits, but, uh, because our idea was to beat things to market. So we weren't, I mean, talking about it is clear where all the mistakes happen, but, um, Long story right. short, we ended up ordering thousands of cases, um, and the buttons like it was the it was off our dimensions. Oh, yeah, wow. so because we were mm-hmm. trying to beat things, so all those products were just wasted. Yeah, we were actually I don't even know how able to unload them at a, on like a wholesale auction website, um, <laughs> you know, to get some of our costs back. But uh, yeah, that was yeah. A, that was the first thing we ever tried to manufacture. Um, and so that was like a, cause you go over there and you have like all this ambition, right? You're like, Oh man, we're going to, we're going to get so much momentum. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so that was like instantly harsh reality of like, Oh, we don't know anything about what's going on. Right. Uh, right. Exactly. So that was the first crash and burn. Got it. That's crazy. And so after that burn, you know, what was the next step? I know you guys started a few other businesses. I kind of want to lead up into what you're, you're you got going on today. Hey, do I still got you? Yeah. So, what were the uh, you know next kind of projects that you were working on after after that uh, phone or lab or excuse me tablet case company? Yeah. So we spent a lot of time. Um, you know, even during that first process, the cool thing about being over in China was networking with so many of the other guys that are out there making products, right? Um, mm-hmm. And w- when that first thing happened. Um, we had already networked, networked with some other people that were running sourcing of companies or operations and making everything from glass bottles to watches. You know, um, We were connected to the watch industry since right when we basically first got over there. We had some guys that were actually doing really well with some brands that aren't even around today. But at that time, you know, they were doing pretty good. Um, and so what we started getting into was trying to find sourcing um, clients um, just so we can get more experience in the manufacturing game, um, be, without risking anything any, like, like what we did in the first time, just risk all of our own stuff. We took all of our, you know, all of our skin was in the game, um, and sourcing, even if it was the smallest of orders, um, products for other people, um, allowed us to get, get some of their skin in the game to allow us to really learn the ropes of what was going on out there. Um, you know, and so it was a long winding process for us like, like that. But I would say too, in our progression, when it comes to manufacturing, it was dipping our toes in being a lot more risk conscious going forward after that first venture. And then also learning a ton from our, uh, people that became really good friends out there for us that had been sourcing for a lot longer than we had. And they really helped speed up our process for sure. 
Right. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I think it's, it's such a dynamic because you guys started on the factory side of the table, you know, on the supply chain and manufacturing side of the table, where a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs start on the flip side. You know, they start on the marketing side or start on the business development side, and they don't really understand how to manufacture these products. Well, I think, you know, what it did teach you, especially even starting from that first mistake, it, it teaches you how easy it is for small mistakes to affect the end customer, right? To how small, mm-hmm. minute details of the manufacturing process can make or break the successful, you know, aspect of a product. It, and it doesn't have to be like, oh, how we miss, you know, measurements, like, you know, a newbie right. totally did. It can go down to anything, any type of management over the, the manufacturing process has massive ramifications for the end product that you're delivering to consumer. Uh, and having hands-on exactly. experience doing that was just invaluable um, for where we're at today. That's amazing. And so I kind of want to talk about some of those other launches because I know you've been a part of a lot of crowdfunding campaigns and helped run and spearhead a lot of projects. What was that kind of dynamic, you know, flashback, what, like four or five years ago when you were launching some of these campaigns? What was that dynamic like? And was that kind of just dipping your toes into e-commerce that was fueled through crowdfunding? And how does that, you know, we'll start getting into what you're up to today, but how does that kind of tie into the market and how you see companies launching today and spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on ad spend on a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. You know, when we, when we were over there, especially in the first few years, all of our attention focused in on trying to figure out how to manufacture products. Um, We were young, Mm -hmm. we were hungry. We didn't have to look like, we didn't have really peripherals, if that makes sense. It was just focused in on the grind, learning how to manufacture. And then right. after a few years went by, we realized, hey, we've got to develop an end game because manufacturing for other clients, if you're going to do that type of business, that means we're going to stay out here as well. Um, and it sucked, to be honest. And you didn't want, you don't to, want stay to stay out, out there. there. And it also sucked the idea of like just following orders of other people and how they want their products. Right. Because, you know, right. we're very detail oriented people and especially just being drawn to the manufacturing game. Right. Getting things right now, you know, other companies and stuff like that that are making products, especially in this day and age, you know, they're manufacturing for cost or for, you know, other mm-hmm. reasons that, you know, as a manufacturer, you're just dude, that is totally not going to give yourself or your customers the best product. Right. But as when you're manufacturing for other people, you're following their orders. Um, and you're executing, you know, on their products. And so our end goal became, okay, let's get into the manufacturing game where we're developing our own products. We have the final say in what we get to make and actually the final control over what we're sending the customers. And that ended up becoming the light at the end of the tunnel. We were like, if we can figure out a way to be doing that um, to where we have the full control and we can actually have our finger fingerprints totally, you know, all over the products that we're making from start to finish that would be amazing. Right. Um, and right at that time, that's when, you know, through the grapevine, because again, networking was always a huge thing for us, especially out there because you're kind of on an island. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, through the grapevine, Kickstarters and the Indiegogos were all the rage. Um, and so right. It was almost a perfect timing for us um, with, you know, coming up with that end goal of really developing your own brand and product um, from this, um, start to finish. And these crowdfunding options coming around. Because at the time, still, you know, we didn't have enough money to throw a few hundred thousand dollars behind a product. Um, 
Right. And at that time in, in Guangzhou and, you know, Shenzhen, when you were over there with the rise of crowdfunding, were people just going crazy trying to throw products up there? Or what was that kind of dynamic? Because you're at the factory floor, you know, you've got the ability at your fingertips to produce samples and get a campaign up. I mean, were people just going crazy trying to put up campaigns or what was that kind of feeling like? It over was. There? No, it's exactly like that. You know, like um, it was like the new coming. Right. In this, especially right. in the beginning days, you know, you had people throwing up projects, um, just throwing them up and raising a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, it, it was wow. in those days that Kickstarter would basically, if, if your campaign showed it would convert, they would just slap you right on the mm-hmm. front page. And so basically all the traffic on Kickstarter would see your project uh, without barely any back in marketing um, on your end. Um, so a frenzy was definitely happening. You know, people are throwing up projects left and right. Um, and, you know, it definitely instilled a sense of like false hope. Like so many of these people that were launching projects over there too, it was like, oh, I've got this, you know, speaker, or I've got this gadget or whatever. You know, I go out and do 70, 80, 100 grand. Uh, you know, this is going to be a huge brand. But because, and I say frenzy right. because, you know, it was so new and such a shortcut that enough, not enough attention was paid to it what happens after right right like business online in the online world isn't oh a site like kickstarter just easily and freely sending you traffic um exactly let's talk about that dynamic you know real quick kind of moving forward in terms of now you know even back then too you have successful campaigns that are doing six maybe seven figures but then after their campaign they kind of die out or they you know, hit a home run on their campaign. Like, uh, what was it like two, three years ago, the coolest cooler became like one of the most funded projects on Kickstarter. And I think some of their backers haven't even received the coolers that they, you know, pre-ordered a a few years ago. Like it's crazy. And so what's that kind of dynamic after a campaign and and from someone that's done that so many times and and turn them, turn these campaigns into successful e-commerce companies, you know, what are some of the steps that you have to take to prepare going from a crowdfunding campaign to a successful e-commerce company? Uh, that's a long, long-winded um, answer, you know, that I could hit you with there. You know, I think first and foremost, what gets people into a ton of trouble is not knowing how to manufacture the thing that they're crowdfunding for. Sure, maybe they've got mm-hmm. a prototype, but how do you make that at, at mass, you know, at scale? Right. Right. How do you, do you have any idea what fulfillment looks like? Right. Like people put 20% of the thought into it when they need to be putting a hundred percent of the thought into it. Right. Cause it's all surface level, this crowdfunding stuff, right? Like it is a shortcut in the sense where you can get people on your bandwagon. However, they can't see Mm -hmm. behind, you know, your closed curtains. So it's up to you as a creator to make sure what they're supporting, what they're getting on is something that you've actually done the work to actually deserve them getting on your bandwagon. Right. And so, so many people right. concentrate on, you know, the superficial, the look of the campaign, the marketing campaign, that stuff's important, but really what's important is being true to the people that are backing you. And that means doing your homework, knowing that you can fill in the uh, promises that you, you've made, knowing that you can deliver and knowing that you can give them service once you do deliver. Right. Uh, it's the right. basic pillars of commerce. Um, that get you know overlooked in in this age of hey let's go raise money. Um, raising a lot of right. money isn't cool. Raising money to build a business that's going to continually give you money every month that's cool. 
Um, but it's hard right. to tell people that when they're just starting out. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you just you know hit the nail on the head right there, where you see so many companies, whether they be software oriented or e-commerce oriented. You know, look at like Allbirds or Casper, some of these massive, uh, fast-paced, growing e-commerce companies that have raised you know twenty, thirty, you know fifty million dollars, and sometimes don't even have revenues to back it up just based on that hype. And then for these founders to see a return on that raise. You know, they've got to sell the company for at least half a billion or more. I mean, it's almost crazy for uh, investors and for founders to take that big of a gamble when raising raising money. And so, you know, kind of talking about that dynamic between uh, turning your crowdfunding campaign to an e-commerce company, do you kind of mind diving into, you know, one of the campaigns that you guys turned into an e-commerce company and seeing that transition and um, just kind of diving into that different experience, whether it be fueled by, uh, starting out on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and then going on to Shopify or Big Commerce or whichever platform you guys ended up going with. Yeah, so we um, we launched uh, Vincero back in late 2014, um, and it was an all Italian marble watch. Um, you know, and again, our company is very directly representative of like who we are. Um, again, I'll go back to like our skill as an entrepreneur is we're pretty meticulous. Um, and so that starts with the products that we make. Um, and when we were launching those campaigns, we were ready to fulfill on them. Um, and so, you know, when we had those dates up on our campaigns, we beat our delivery dates. Um, we were that prepared. Uh, we went directly wow. into Shopify. And then again, you know, we went on the front end marketing, um, perspective. We went, uh, we went at that strategy the same way we do with products, meticulous learning one strategy after the other. Um, and then really prioritizing, what's going to get us the farthest with the current resources. Yeah. So with Facebook at the time, it was like the lowest hanging fruit, but the lowest hanging fruit that would have the greatest effect on what we were trying to accomplish. So we put so much of our energy into learning everything that there was to do with Facebook ads, um, finding and locating and tracking down the experts that knew how to market products, e-commerce products specifically on Facebook. Um, and we spent mm-hmm. all of our time, um, learning how to do that. Um, and then from there. So does that mean you joined, I kind of want to ask about that real quick. Cause I know so many e-commerce entrepreneurs that are tuning in, they are always interested to kind of understand how to run, you know, ads effectively on Facebook or other social media channels by learning. Does that mean you signed up for a course? Does that mean you just watch as many, you know, free uh, videos on YouTube as you could? Does that mean you just tested different ad spends? What'd you do to learn uh, Facebook ads? Uh, honestly, we did it. Um, I, you know, we did, it. we did it. That was how we learned. Oh, we, okay, we were, uh, of, of course, reading everything that we could find. Um, you know, we were in a few groups, different mastermind groups and that kind of stuff. But it was all trial and error. And then looking, you know, especially in those groups and just talking to different people or reading different articles, then we test that. And then we test it. And then we test it. And then we test it. And then you live in your ads manager, uh, especially in that first year, we would live in there. We, you could feel the pulse of your ads is, you know, if that makes sense to what this is working, that's working, that's working, this is working, that's working, this is working to where if you do that for that many days in a row, you know, you become the expert. Um, you know, and for us back in the day, everything was about efficiency. Um, again, I think, you Mm -hmm. know, companies are a pretty good representation of the people that are, are running them. And so, you know, if you relate that back to what you were saying about, you know, raising a ton of money or exiting and stuff like that. It, it, it's really up to the person that's running the company, what path they want to take it. 
Um, and I urge people mm-hmm. to really think about, you know, what do you want your company to look like? What do you want your involvement in your company to look like? Cause that directly affects the strategies that you have to implement, um, as you try and go towards that path. Right. And so for us, right. we, you know, and our enjoyment in business is, you know, learning things, getting better every day. Um, and in the end, delivering products that go above and beyond the promise that we make to our customers. Um, and so we were meticulous about our growth. We, we were efficient about our spend. Um, and we were just kind of knocking dominoes over as we went. Um, we weren't out there and our plan was never to go, Hey, let's just scale. Um, no matter what, uh, we scaled profitably, right. we scaled smartly. Um, and in the end, that's really allowed us to have full control over our business now, um, uh, entering our fourth year. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was listening to a podcast with the founder of Casper, uh, mattresses the other day, and he was saying that, you know, a lot of times they aren't even, you know, return on ad spend driven per customer per se, they're looking at the lifetime value. And I think that's a different kind of scaling dynamic because they're hoping that that customer goes and tells a friend about their product. And, you know, so is everyone else. But if they aren't being very profit driven in terms of their growth and just looking at the top line, it's a different dynamic because, you know, Casper has raised almost like $30 million or more. $100 million now. Okay. It's, it's crazy. And so it's just that kind of dynamic of how they're focusing in. And, and you know, one of the questions that I want to ask, because we get it a lot about Facebook ads, is, you know, do you think there are certain strategies that work across campaigns where, let's say we took someone that sold, uh, you know, let's say we took a, a guy that ran Facebook ads for an underwear company and, and they were still selling directly through Shopify and they optimized their Facebook campaigns for their underwear company. Could they come in and see your ads manager and figure out how to optimize it as well? You know, do you think these strategies can work across uh, data sets or does it really depend specifically on the data that you're collecting and and, and really making decisions off of for your company? Because, you know, we hear a lot of experts out there that say, oh, you know, I made this one tweak and the the return on ad spend grew by 10x. And is that just a load of BS or is that really actually applicable to see uh, across data sets how these certain strategies can relate? Well, I'll bring it back to one thing that you mentioned um, in the beginning of this call where, you know, it or what we were talking about at the beginning, you know, people get stuck on the surface level of things. Um, and so advertising on Facebook is still advertising, right? And so you can mm-hmm. break it into two different parts, right? Your analytical data-driven strategies, you know, and skills that it takes. And that is a part of it, right? You have to know and be able to um, recognize what the numbers are telling you in order to come up with your next moves. But everything on the ad side starts with the creative conception, right? Are you right. advertising to people? right? That's where, that's what you like start thinking about. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. you start, okay. If I want my end goal as someone for us to become a watch purchaser, well then you start, okay. If they've never heard about us, how do I introduce them to us? Right. And then if they've heard about us, but they haven't purchased, then what do I say to them? And then if they've heard about us and they're interacting with us a lot, but they haven't purchased, what is my next move? That's where advertising starts. It doesn't matter that it's on Facebook, right? And people forget that. They're like, dude, tell me the strategy how to sell my products. It's like, well, how do you sell your products? And then let's apply that to Facebook, right? right? And so it's, it's really a two-pronged thing, and everyone's looking for the shortcut on Facebook. Um, and now the people that understand that, 
there's ways to advertise products and those products don't have to be in the same niche or anything like that, right? They get the idea of selling and advertising to people, right? So understanding that right. concept of selling uh, and then applying that with people that are very data-driven and especially are affluent um, on the Facebook platform. Yes, you know, that's a, that's a complement of skills that can be, you know, very successful across different products. Um, you know, and Got I love it. this whole focus on like, cost per acquisition or uh, ROI, right? You know, you can always throw back, you know, oh, I have, all, I have 10x ROI in my advertising. Been like, okay, so did you not want to grow? Well, well, right. it's like exactly. I could get 10x by spending $1,000, right? But what if I want to spend $20,000 a day, right? You can't expect 10x. So people focus on these surface level, you know, dynamics without actually talking about the meat and potatoes. So, okay, well, what is that? What does that mean? What was your strategy, right? Do you have a really high ad return, ad, uh, return on your ads because you're just coasting, right? Um, the hardest thing to do is to come up with efficient strategies at scale, right? And then once right. you go past strategies at scale, how do you do it in terms of efficiently for your business? Because the larger you get, the numbers get larger, the, the metrics you're looking for change, um, and that's right, something that exactly. you learn as you grow. I think that's epic insight. I mean, I want to touch on that, you know, just briefly before we kind of dive into the next questions and we'll be wrapping up here in the next five minutes. But, you know, one of the things that I really want to understand for a company as big as Vincero, how do you guys, you know, manage that ad spend and kind of calculate that ROI across platforms? Because I've seen you guys run, you know, native ads and, you know, been uh, featured on Bro Bible and Total Frat Move and all these, you know, amazing media outlets. How do you guys calculate, you know, either a lifetime value or a return on ad spend across these platforms when you're, you know, running ads on so many different channels. Yeah. So, you know, that's the analytical part of it, right? You've got to be meticulous about your data. Um, and again, because there are so many platforms that you're going, you know, crisscrossing between in terms of both prospecting and retargeting, it's never going to be a perfect science, but it can be pretty close. Right. And so we're monitoring all of our ad spend on a daily basis, even sometimes hourly, um, depending on which location we're advertising in. Um, and every everything is monitored that closely in terms of the store and how it's performing and how it's performing on our different plant platforms, including Amazon and stuff like that. Um, everything has, you know. In this strategy, what you're talking about, it changes as you as you grow. Um, in, in the beginning, right. we were very dollar in, dollar back, um, risk averse, right? Growing efficiently, right? I needed that money to come back because I needed to do other stuff with it. Um, the larger right. you get, the more platforms you're on. You're it, it's more like you know, a boat in the ocean where it's like you're going with, you know, the momentum and then you're adding on different platforms and it's all pushing you forward. Um, and as long as you know what direction you're heading in and the strategies and why you're going down that route and why you're spending money on this or why you're spending money on this, you can, you know, efficiently then use the data that you're getting to make better decisions. Um, no matter what type got of, it. you know, marketing you're on. So you got to know, you got to know yeah. how you're performing on, you know, whether it's influencer marketing, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Pinterest, um, right. whether it's affiliate, um, you got to know where you're at 
um, on a daily basis there. So you can make decisions on a monthly basis about the direction that you want your company to go in. Got it. That makes sense. And one of my last questions here, you know, we kind of talked about the e-commerce entrepreneurs or guys that are running ads and kind of coasting. And I feel like that's probably going to be addressed towards a lot of the drop shipping entrepreneurs that we have tuning in. And we've had a lot of questions come up of drop shipping entrepreneurs looking to create their own brands or their own private label companies. You know, what are your thoughts on drop shipping versus actually creating your own brand and, and custom products? Uh, I would take that back to the entrepreneur themselves. You know, what do they want to do? Um, it, it always starts with that, you know, a personal um, is a personal question, you know, drop shipping different things. You know, are you, are you an entrepreneur because you want to be an entrepreneur? Um, you know, what is success to you? What gets you going? Um, that's where you got to start with. Right? right. You know, for us, we love coming up with ideas, manufacturing on them, delivering them people and having people go, wow, this is way more than I thought I was going to get, right? That's what we mm -hmm. love. And so the only way we can accomplish that is by making our own products. Um, you know, if, if your passion is marketing um, and stuff like that, you know, drop shipping is a great way to get going into the business. But, uh, you know, it really comes, that's a personal question on, you know, what you want to be doing. What gets you going? What's your point? Mm -hmm. Why are you an entrepreneur? Why are you doing what you want to do? Um, once you answer that question, then the path becomes a lot clearer. You know, um, is the way to accomplish that with your own brand? Is it to start a SaaS company? Is it to do anything? You know, you, you always got to get down to the nitty gritty, right. get granular, be truthful with yourself, and then reverse engineer the process will be a lot easier in terms of am I doing the right got thing it. or not? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's an incredible analysis. Cause I think a lot of people kind of dive into the actual dynamics behind dropshipping and creating your own brand. But I think, you know, the, the, everyone tuning in has to ask themselves and, and ask them what drives themselves, you know, what's going to you know wake you up in the morning to, to go put in work and uh, make stuff happen. The last question here, you know, what's next for you guys? I know you guys have grown incredibly the past, you know, few years in business i've been seeing you know your watches and products all over uh online and the internet and even in person i start seeing people wear your watches i think it's incredible you know what's next where's the the end goal or where are you trying to take this in the next few years oh man we're growing um you know we're we're in that growth phase it's exciting um and, and we're, we're all just hunkered down concentrating on getting better every single day, every single month. I think uh, that's, that's bringing even relating it back to that last question, you know, making sure that you know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that makes the rest of the process a lot easier, right? We still every day are working just as hard as we were three years ago when we started, right? Because our goal is still mm -hmm. the same, right? To deliver unrivaled value in our marketplace, um, right. value that customers haven't seen. Our goal is to get that reaction when people get our products go, wow, I, I should have paid way more for this. I will come back. I will buy a lot mm -hmm. more from you guys. And that's why we do what we do. Right. Um, you know, making this type of value and this type of quality accessible to people. That's what gets us going. And so what's our plan to keep doing that? Um, you know, that's and amazing. I think if you're honest with yourself and you start with, at that point with your business, the business comes up like that. It, it Your customers can see through all of it and they can, really went especially when they look at physical products they can know okay there's a ton of care that went into this and that's in this day and right. age those are the type of companies that people want to shop with right there's not enough of them um and people can see through all the noise and that's really what they're looking for uh, is people that care mm -hmm. about what they're making um because it shows through in the final product so for us 
we're going to continue jamming on that stuff, um, you know, for as long as we can think of. But uh, the, the market's changing so fast. I mean, there's so many exciting new marketing things that you can do. Um, it, really, marketing right. is just a way to get out, you know, to the world what you're doing. Um, and if you love what you're doing mm -hmm. and if you're doing it for the right reasons, then any new marketing channel is just a new opportunity to kind of expand your message. So um, there, there's a lot of stuff that's going epic. on. That's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Tim, thanks so much for coming on e-commerce on tap. If people want to get in touch or buy a watch, where can they find Tim you? Tim Awesome. Tim, thanks again for coming on. Guys, that was another episode of e-commerce on tap. Tune in for the next one. And thanks again for listening. And there you have it. Thanks again for tuning in to e-commerce on tap. If you could like, subscribe, tell a friend, really spread the word about the information we're getting out there. That would be much appreciated. Also, if you have any manufacturing questions or need help with your manufacturing, feel free to reach out to Sourceify for the fastest growing manufacturing platform, helping hundreds of companies produce products around the world. Thanks again and have a great one.